We have been going through Colossians, and we're going to continue in Colossians today. It's a little bit of review, just some things that we have, uh, well, I'll remote click. There we go. <clears throat> in Colossians chapter 2, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Remember that? You know, we did that in that song this morning. You know that, that word we sang? Yahweh. It's a breath. In and out. It's Yahweh. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the foundation. Everything else we talk about is based on this. Christ is in you. Without Christ, everything else that I could possibly say would be entertaining words at the most. But because Christ is in you, it is the hope of glory that we have. Then in, in chapter 3, verse 1, set your hearts and minds on things above. Because Christ is in us, we now live differently. We must. We must think differently. We must react differently. We must respond differently. Not based on the things of this earth that are destined to perish, but on the things of God that are eternal. So set your hearts and minds on things above. The very next passage was about putting to death and ridding ourselves of lust and anger. And um, I hope I talked about that long enough to make you uncomfortable. <clears throat> if anybody isn't uncomfortable, let me know and I'll talk more and more about lust and anger. The whole point is that you would become uncomfortable. Our house, we have this constant debate. It's cold in here, it's hot in here. Do you have that at your house? <clears throat> you know what happens at our house when it's hot? When I'm uncomfortable, I take things off. Lana tells me I'd be much more comfortable if I'd take my hat and boots off. I wouldn't be so hot. I don't typically do that, but I do take my coat off when I'm hot. And if I have a long sleeve shirt off, I take that off when I'm hot. I think it's the same way with lust and anger. When lust and anger gets to the point in your life that you're not comfortable with it, you'll start taking it off. You don't deny that something's there to take it off. You don't dance around and act like it's not what it is to put it to death and take it off. You must face it. And I know none of us like talking about our own lust and anger. But as I said last week, the deeper you go down into your lust and anger, the more of a well or a cavern or a grave that you have full of the compassion and love of God. Right after talking about lust and anger, God describes us this way. We are his chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Don't for a minute think that your lust and anger is getting in the way of God loving you. It is not interfering at all with that. Oh, it needs to come off. It interferes with lots of things, but it does not interfere with the relationship God has with you. Because God says you are my chosen people, you are holy, and you are dearly loved, right in the midst of your lust and anger. And as much of the compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and forgiveness of God that you have experienced and that you know, 
then you are able to treat yourself that same way. It's kind of a weird twist of this, isn't it? Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and forgiveness. We normally think of putting that on so we can reflect it outwards. And we'll talk about that. But before we can do that, we have to treat ourselves the same way. How many of us live with constant guilt and shame and condemnation because of what we've done and who we are? Because of our lust and anger. But God, who calls us his chosen people, holy and dearly loved, brings his compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and forgiveness. God gives that to me so that I can live in that. And once step A and B are complete, then I can start to give that to others. First, it's God's heart towards me. Secondly, it's my heart towards me. And thirdly, it's my heart toward others. If I do not treat myself with compassion, I am unable to treat others with compassion. If I do not treat myself with gentleness and kindness and patience, I don't have that to give to anyone else. And if I'm not able to forgive myself because Jesus has forgiven me, then I'm in no way able and equipped to forgive others. So, that's kind of a recap of where we've been. And now we come to verse 15. Colossians 3:15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Of all the things that Jesus has done for us, all the work that his compassion and kindness and humility and forgiveness and patience has brought to us, while we were in the pit of lust and anger, the forgiveness of God comes, the holiness of God comes, and we get transformed from the inside out. Christ in you, the hope of glory. One of the things that comes into you, that happens to you, that is the work of Jesus Christ. Okay, what, you know what I mean when I say it's the work of Jesus Christ. These are things that Jesus has done to you and for you. And one of those is this. He puts his peace in your heart. That's done. All right. How many people live with peace? It's not because we don't have peace. Because through the work of Jesus Christ, he brought peace to us. But we don't live in peace. This verse tells us, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The peace of Christ is in my heart and it wants to rule or reign or be king over my life. But there are options. God calls it free will, right? Do you know that I can choose, at this very moment, I can choose to worry about something? It's my option. I can worry about something that's real and imminent or I can worry about something that's just completely fabricated in my own mind. I heard the aliens are going to attack next Wednesday. Did you hear that? 
And, and quite frankly, I'm, I'm scared about the aliens coming. Who knows where they're going to attack? Matter of fact, sometimes, some people think they're already here. And they're hidden in the form of water towers, just ready to break free and attack us all. Okay, well that's a complete nonsense story from a movie in the 50s, right? But could you worry about that? We choose to worry over things like that, don't we? And we choose to worry over things that feel much more real. Like, where am I going to live, and what am I going to wear, and where am I going to do, what will go, where, God, are you taking me in my life? And we choose to worry about this. But always know this. It is a choice. And you choose to worry. Now, I'm not saying that to bring condemnation and guilt upon you. I'm saying that to let you know you have an option. There is another way, and the other way is this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Do you know how much God loves you? You who are His chosen people, you who are holy and dearly loved, do you know how much He loves you? Do you know what He has in store for you? In the coming kingdom, but this afternoon, do you know? Do you know how much he left the 99 to come get you? That's how special you are to him? Do you know that he has plans for you? That he has gifts he's giving and will continue to give you? Do you know this to be true? It is true. Because all that is true, I can live with peace. See, I don't need to see what's coming or what's around the corner. To trust God. Because I trust God, period. Doesn't matter what comes at me. I still trust God. Through the rain, through the sunshine. Through the sad, through the uh, joy. We trust God in all of these things. So that we can choose to let the peace of Christ, which is already in our heart, rule our very beings. So I don't know what's going to happen. And it's scary. And it, it may hurt because it has hurt in the past and it may hurt again. I know. Now, will I choose peace or something else? I have that choice. God has given me the free will and he's given me what I need to choose peace. I don't know what this looks like for you. For me, it's a lot of times it's just saying that. I choose to trust you, God. I choose to be at peace. Now here's the funny thing. You know what happens when you do that? A lot of your well-meaning humans will start to bring accusation and condemnation and judgment towards you, saying, you don't care. Because we look at somebody else and see if they are frantic, it means they care. Right? If they are scurrying and working hard and planning and vigorously trying to accomplish a goal, they care. But someone who's letting the peace of Christ rule in their heart, we look at them and say, what's wrong with them? God, open our eyes. Help us to see what peace looks like. Who do you want to be around? People who are struggling, striving, pinch trying to make things happen or people who have the peace of God 
and are willing to work hard, but with peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. That's what we're called for. Come on in, it's peace here. Let's have peace. <sighs> we sing that at Christmas. You know, that peace would come. And I don't know what we mean or what you think of when you sing that, but peace with God, peace with me, peace with you. See how this pattern of the previous verse, because God was compassionate and kind towards me, I now can be compassionate and kind to me, and then I can express compassion and kindness to you. Because I am at peace with God, I can be at peace with me, which means I can be at peace with all of the world's circumstances that come. There's an election coming this week, and many people are twisted tight about the election. Some of us will be happy after the election, and some of us won't be happy after the election. But every one of us can have joy every day, regardless of the election, because we choose peace. Who is the King of kings and Lord of lords? Not our elected officials, thank God. Right? Jesus is. And we will have peace because we were called to peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. Let's live in peace and be thankful. And verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So just like the previous passage said, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, this one says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. We have been given the message of Christ. What is the message of Christ? Jesus came to do what was needed to deal with your lust and anger so that you could be in a restored, loving relationship with your Creator and you could live at peace. Those are the words of Christ. That's the message of Christ. The hope of the coming kingdom. That I once was lost in sin. But now, I'm a child of the king. I have a seat at the table. Jesus no longer calls me his servant. He calls me his friend. I'm the bridegroom of Christ. I'm chosen, holy, and dearly loved. You think that message makes a difference? All right. Maybe it doesn't. Does it? Is it a matter of life and death? Is it a matter of eternity? For you and for others? Have you ever been starving? Maybe some of you here have been starving. I say I'm starving all the time. That just means it's 12.05. <laughs> doesn't mean I'm, you know, five minutes past time to eat, I'm starving. When starving people find food, you know what they do? They tell other starving people where they can get a meal. You starving? Do you realize the depth of your lust and anger? 
As you do, you will be full of compassion and kindness and patience and humility. And you will dwell in the message of Christ. I don't know what the best thing that ever happened to you was. But I know what the best thing that ever happened to me was. It's Jesus. I met him. He changed everything. Jesus, he's still changing everything. He's changing everything. So let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. I tell people that come with me with problems, I don't know for sure what your problem is, but I already know the answer is going to be Jesus. So now what we're going to try to do is figure out with your problem how Jesus is going to address that problem. I'm a one-trick pony. The only answer I have for anybody is Jesus. I don't have anything else to offer but Jesus. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish. So here we have this ability because of the word of God. The living word of God is in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, like some chuckle-headed fishermen that Jesus picked up, they become the messengers of the gospel. And that's kind of what we are, right? A bunch of chuckle-headed fishermen that he found along the way. Come follow me. And we came and followed him. And now he's entrusted the words of life to us. And because of our love, because of, of the compassion and the kindness and the patience, we teach and admonish each other. We need each other. Iron sharpens iron. I need you. You need me. You know one of the reasons we need each other? Because we have an enemy whose main purpose and plan is to deceive us. None of us know when we're being deceived. That's the definition of deception. You don't know. So you need someone to come along and help. Shine the light. Say, look, Tony, I don't think that's quite true what you're believing there. See, God says this. And that doesn't line up with what you're saying. As we teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Do you know you're wise? Well, first let me ask a question. Anybody here lack wisdom? Okay, so what's the remedy when you lack wisdom? And then what? If you ask God, he will give you wisdom. So everyone here this morning who lacks wisdom, ask God, and he will give you wisdom. I can wait a couple of minutes if anybody wants to ask right now so we can get this settled. Do you have wisdom? You have wisdom. Because Christ lives in you. He's the hope of glory. Now, again, do we need each other? The enemy tries to deceive us and can convince us that things that are not light are light. So we need each other, and we cannot get ungrounded from the Word of God or from the Word of God. Jesus, the Word of God. The Bible, the Word of God. We've got to stay grounded in both of those things so that we're full of wisdom. And then how do we teach and admonish? Well, life becomes a musical. We teach through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God. We don't know what we don't know. And why does this verse say 
that we teach and admonish with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. I don't know why. I believe magic happens here. Seriously, I do. I think those songs that we sang earlier that we called our worship songs, somehow that gets through and into our hearts and our minds in a way that me just telling you doesn't seem to accomplish. I don't know why. I don't know how. But I believe this to be true. Psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Singing to God. As we teach each other. These songs that we, we sing just have usually a simple message. But foundational truth message in these songs. At least they can. And one of the most fruitful ways to deliver a message to somebody. Psalm, hymn, and song from the Spirit. But I can't sing. Me neither. It doesn't matter. It's not about your musical talent. It's about the overflow of your heart. Somehow music fits into the kingdom of heaven. I, I guess I should go chasing and try to learn more about that. But it's all over, right? From the beginning to end, we're singing. Um, now, does the enemy try to destroy that? Sure. Of course he does. He doesn't leave anything. But we had the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts, and now we have the message of Christ dwelling amongst us. And then in verse 17, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do. Whatever you do. Whatever you do. Do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whether you're speaking or acting. Word or deed. Whatever you do. I don't know. Sometimes we think that, you know, we have our church life and then we have our other life. Not according to this verse. There's only me. I come to church. I go to work. I go to ball games. I go to parades. I do all kinds of things. I mow the grass. Whatever I do. Word or deed. Everything I do. Whatever it is. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know what it means to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus? It's a legal thing. When, uh, when rich people want to buy property, they appoint somebody, they give them the power of attorney, and they send that person out to buy or sell property in their name. Right? You know, I mean, like Bill Gates. He doesn't walk up and down the streets buying property. He sends an agent of his, someone who's buying property in his name, they even consign his name for him. You know that? That's the way that works, in his name. Maybe you have done that sometime given somebody the power of attorney. Sometimes when people get old, they give somebody the power of attorney to make decisions and to deal with their finances in their name. Do you know that it's binding? If you have the power of attorney and you make a really bad deal for somebody else, they're stuck with it. It's binding. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
That means when I'm signing my name, I'm signing Jesus Christ. The words that I'm saying, Jesus is saying them. The actions that I'm doing, Jesus is doing them. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now if you think you can check in once a week or something like that and get your directions for the week and then be sent out, more power to you. I need a little closer uh, guidance than that. I need the never-ending conversation of Jesus speaking to me, of me asking Jesus, what would I do? What should I say? What should I go? Should I buy this? Should I buy that? All the way down to the silliest of decisions. Should I have the chicken sandwich or the hamburger? Jesus, what do you think? Why not ask? Why not let the peace of Christ rule in my heart and the word, the message of Christ, Christ dwell amongst us so that all of us, whether we do, whatever we do, whatever we do, we would do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now see, here's where this kind of gets crazy, doesn't it? Let's say that I decide this afternoon to go murder somebody. Can I do that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Absolutely not. So, how do I put this split thing back together? The only things that I am doing are the things that Jesus would do. Well, it's what we've been talking about for the past four weeks. Christ is in me, the hope of glory. And now my heart and my mind are switching and I'm putting my heart and mind on the things above because that will change my desires and what I want to do. Then I look at my lust and anger, which is always present with me in this body of flesh, the sinful nature I have. And I continue to look at that and say, oh no, I'm not living from that. That is not of Christ. Put that to death. Take that off. Because I am God's chosen people, I'm holy and dearly loved. And God has expressed his compassion and his patience, his kindness, his humility and forgiveness towards me. So that I can live in that compassion and kindness, humility, forgiveness, uh, And then I can express that to others. Because the peace of Christ rules in my life and I'm not tossed to and fro and I don't have a need to defend myself or fight for anything like that. I can let peace rule so that I can love others. And the message of Christ is amongst us as we all are growing closer and closer, more like Christ, so that whatever we do, in word or in deed, we're doing it in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. That's who we're called to be. Would you be different if everything you did was in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? I would too. I'm not done. He's still working on me, right? I still have to deal with lust and anger, as you do. But we continue to set our hearts and minds on things above. We continue to accept the grace and compassion and forgiveness of our Father so that we can live with the peace of Christ and His message so that whatever we do, we would do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. What are you going to do this afternoon? I don't really care what you're going to do. Here's what I care. Whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Lana wants to rush ahead to the next slide. 
There are three things that we mentioned that we barely talked about in those three verses. I just kind of glanced over them, didn't I? We can't just glance over them. They're the core foundation because we've changed our hearts and our minds. Be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. Thankful for what? Remember how I said if you have trouble being compassionate or kind or forgiving to other people? My theory is it's because you don't know much about your lust and anger and how much of Jesus was required to forgive that. How much compassion it took for God to love you. How much patience and kindness. As you become aware of the compassion and kindness and patience, the humility that it took God Be thankful. God loves you. Chose you. You're holy and dearly loved. Be thankful. Be thankful. And sing our songs and admonish one another as we dwell in the message of Christ with gratitude in our hearts. There's another word that goes with gratitude. It's the kind of the opposite word, and it's entitlement. You know people who are entitled? That means God owes them something. This world owes them something. This church owes them something. Their spouse owes them something. You know people who live with entitlement? Me too. I see one in the mirror quite often. But God does not want me to live with entitlement. He wants me to live with gratitude. God does not owe me a thing. And neither does this world. Well, if I've earned anything, it's this. The wages of sin are death. And if I get what I deserve... It will be a brutal crucifixion for my sins. That's what I've earned. That's what I'm entitled to. But God, in his great love, Jesus paid the price for me so that I could live with compassion and forgiveness and kindness and humility and patience. And so the response is gratitude. Oh God, I didn't deserve this. But you gave it to me anyway. Think of how reckless God is with his love. He doesn't seem to value it at all, does he? He just throws it out everywhere. Where we have to kind of hold ours back. Not God, he's just reckless with it. So we have gratitude in our hearts. And then whatever we do, in word or deed... We do it in the name of the uh, name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God. So, you know, I don't know what wells up in you, 
when you consider the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if it's not an overwhelming thankfulness and gratitude, I think you're missing some of it. And, okay, I used to think I was grateful for what Christ had done for me. And I was. I just didn't know very much. And then I've come to know more, right? And you know what's happened? My gratitude has increased. My thankfulness. Isn't that right? Isn't that how, as you see more and more of what God has done, giving thanks to God, whatever we do, because Christ is in us, the hope of glory. Because Christ is in us, we can have peace. Because we're forgiven. And God has extended its great compassion and patience. And he leads us where He would have us go and gives us things to do that we would do in His name. See how much He loves you? He loves you enough to put you in charge. He gave you power of attorney over the kingdom of heaven. Again, there's many things that are above my pay grade to understand. But Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I don't know what that means. Except this. What you do matters. What you do matters. You've been given glory and power to act in the name of Jesus Christ. With gratitude and thankfulness. So, as we uh, look to God, what else can we say except, oh, thank you, God. And then, whenever we act, whether in word or in deed, is there any way possible to do it without gratitude, without thankfulness? Most people, when they're happy, have some kind of song going on in their head. You know what? Really, that's what that verse said, wasn't it? Through hymns, psalms, and songs of the Spirit that we would admonish and teach each other, being, having gratitude in our heart. And so, while I don't like very many musicals, I do like some. They're entertaining and fun. And the more I think about life being a musical... It makes me laugh. It makes me happy. It brings joy. So, as you go out today, would you greet each other with a song? <laughs> I want to get my phone out before you do. That'll be hilarious. <laughs> the musical. Christian Center, the musical. That'll be perfect. But it's with joy and thanksgiving for what God has done for us that changes everything about us. So that we are living a life completely foreign to what we knew before. Because of the reckless love of God. Let's pray.